0: From RF Smart, this is Taking Inventory, a podcast all about better controlling your supply chain and improving
1: inventory management. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Hello and welcome
2: back Taking Inventory. My name is Sarah Archer and I am the host of this podcast on Taking Inventory. We talk about ERP implementations. We talk about WMS. We talk about NetSuite and ways to optimize NetSuite. And that is what we will be talking about today. So joining me virtually from Canada is, of course, my amazing and wonderful friend, Ruth Rosenstock, who will be co-hosting with me today. Ruth, you were on a podcast just a couple of months ago. We talked about kind of the the beginning steps of what we're going to talk about today. We talked about using an implementation partner, really building a relationship. And uh, if you didn't catch that episode, I will link it for you so that you can definitely check that out. But Ruth, what have you been up to since we last spoke with you a couple months ago?
0: So much, so much. Um, no, I, I mean, I love doing that last podcast. That was uh, such a great experience. And a uh, fun fact about that is I had so many people from my past actually listen to that podcast and reach out to me individually. These are people that I haven't talked to in 20 years. So I've been up to reconnecting to some people. So that was that's been fun. And, uh, and also just kind of working through uh, NetSuite's uh, year end, which is coming up next month. So lots of uh, discussions with customers and having some fun with some partners.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's one of the awesome things about podcasting is like, we've got people from all over the U.S. and Canada today joining us. It really connects people. Speaking of other people who are here today, yeah. we have got Stuart Tholen on the line. He is a partner from i Bailey. I'd Bailey is a great and trusted partner of RF smart. And so we're going to be talking today about some of the ways that you can optimize your supply chain project or your net seat project. Uh, with a great partner like I'd Bailey, Stuart, would you go ahead and just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experience, your background, and also a little bit about ID Bailey?
1: Yes, okay. thank you, uh, Sarah and Ruth, for having me on the on the podcast. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, my name's Stuart Tholen, and uh, about thirty-five years in the profession, working inside of a, an accounting organization, and uh, have worked with ERP implementations for probably thirty of those years. Uh, Ide I- Bailey is a top 20 CPA firm in the United States. We've been in business well over 100 years, probably pushing 100, 105, and uh, we have about 85,000 clients. In 2000, I-, I actually merged with a firm that merged into Ide Bailey, uh, November 1st of 2012. In February 14th, 2013, we embarked on a NetSuite journey, and we were supporting a legacy System through then, and we wanted to support a, a cloud-based mainstream system. And it was after uh, due diligence and discovery, we did we made a decision to support and implement Netsuite. And uh, so we've gone from zero uh, to tens of millions of dollars in, in revenue in that practice since 2013. Probably the fastest-growing Netsuite practice in the country from from that point. And uh, I Bailey as a firm is really committed to this uh, digital transformation as an organization. And one little story, being a larger CPA firm, sometimes people think that we deal only with large clients. We did, over the weekend, we took a client that's about 800 million in revenue. We took them live on NetSuite. But one of our exciting, exciting clients was a little client that had seven employees and they were a shoe distributor. And the shoe distributor, they got in all the big box stores and they, they implemented, or they, they got a first order, but they didn't get any repeat orders. And so they then said, okay, we've got to take this and, and work in e-commerce and see if our distribution model can be different and we can be successful. So with seven employees and a few million in revenue, they purchased NetSuite and a couple of 3PLs um, and, and, and a warehouse internally, but a very small warehouse more for returns. This company has now gone from seven employees, probably upwards of 50 and maybe uh, 10, 15 times in revenue because they applied a system that was very strategic to them for their growth and enabled them to be successful. Really an, an incredible success story. And it's really fun to see a small company have such exponential growth.
2: Stuart, that's awesome. And you make a great point about the size of your business does not matter in terms of digital transformation. Anybody at any stage can implement technology to make their business better. Uh, certainly that's something that I'd Bailey and RF Smart both do. Um, and so I know that you talked a little bit about your NetSuite business and why you kind of got there. Um, I'm interested though to hear about your take on digital transformation. I know that there that could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So could you define mm-hmm. digital transformation for us?
1: Perhaps later on in the podcast, we'll talk about rip and replace where somebody calls and they're on QuickBooks and they um, mm-hmm. want to put NetSuite or another ERP in and maybe just simply swap. it. It isn't as strategic for them, it's more compliance, but um, the digital transformation adds all new meaning to that kind of decision. So I'm gonna quote Gartner. Gartner says the digital transformation can refer to anything from IT modernization, example, cloud computing, Mm -hmm. to digital optimization, to the inventory of new digital business models. So I'm going to say that, let's say there's six pillars to this digital transformation that, that are critical and not in any particular order, but one, business processes. You know, we've come a long way with ERP in the last 30 years, a long way in, in automation and information systems, but there's still way too many manual processes. And even after we get up and current on these systems today, there's still way too many manual processes. So the one, one, one is business processes and the reinvention of those or the automation of the business processes. To a customer experience, you look at how you interact on your phone, you look at how you interact with your healthcare providers, you look at how you interact with your banking, with all things, the customer experience is, is different today. And the digital economy presents a new business opportunity for, for all of us. Number three, we're seeing a lot of traction with data and artificial intelligence. It's, it's really, you know, no time in the history of mankind have we had this much data. And there's so many siloed datas inside each organizations and they vary, and it's really quite amazing. But part of this digital transformation is, is making that data a meaningful asset and a decision process of, of what we're gonna do to move, to move forward. Uh, industry number, number four, industry disruption. Can you imagine if this COVID-19 would have hit the world 30 years ago?
0: No way. No, how, how, would we, <laughs> how would we? Co- how home. would
1: we have? How would we have coped? I mean, right now I'm working. Many of us, probably three of us, are in our homes doing this, and we've been there for a year. But could you imagine? So, uh, the fourth item is in, um, industry disruption, and the disruption comes in. So the digital digital transformation deals with that disruption. Number five, security. Um, right now. We're going so automated in so many ways, but we're seeing people, uh, the the people, fraud and, and schemes come in in all different kinds of fashions. And so cybersecurity has to be a component of what we're trying to accomplish. And then, sixth, Communication, communication internally. We, we Many of us use Teams or other types of tools. We use uh, collaboration with our clients, with uh, online tools and, and things of that nature. But those are the six six elements perhaps.
2: You know, you brought up a lot of really interesting points there, Stuart. One of the mm-hmm. things that I think is, is, of course, very valid is customer experience. That is something that is super important to NetSuite customers. Ruth, I was thinking about, uh, we had a customer on the podcast Sometime last year, Pet Shop Bowl, they talked about how they were using reporting within NetSuite in order Mm -hmm. to improve their customer experience. What are your thoughts around customer experience and some of these, these points that Stuart made?
0: Customer experience is really important, and it's. We talked actually a little bit about that too, even on the last podcast too, when I came, you know, to implementation and kind of that experience level. But um, you know, I, I think customer experience is is so important. So when you when you look at um, how companies had to change over, you know, this last year and, and really kind of turn on a dime. know a lot of things kind of came to light with that when we when we look at customer experience Um, you know making sure that we can serve our customers making sure we've got inventory it's interesting because um, I talked to a CFO group a couple weeks ago and we just kind of really talked about um, analytics and reporting because all of that is what's gonna make sure that your customer service is really good or really bad, or, you know, somewhere in between, but you just, you have no understanding of what's going on with your business, unless you've got that, the analytics behind it. And really that's where, you know, NetSuite comes in, right? It gives you the analytics that you need. It gives you the ingrained processes that you need, an automatic flow of information. And that all equates to having a positive customer service you know, when we're looking at product divisions, right? So selling that product, making sure we have enough product um, and making sure the right product's going out. So all of that is is really important. And for sure, customer service is a huge segment customer experience.
2: Certainly, and I think that Agreed. that's kind of a great, uh, transition into this, this topic of digital transformation, uh, which is all about continuous improvement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, many people don't realize that there is much more that after you go live, you know, for a lot of people, maybe the industry disruption this year really prompted them to select an ERP, to go digital, to start this digital transformation, but mm-hmm. there is many things after you go live on NetSuite that you can do afterwards. And so we're going to spend some time talking through some of those today um, and for most Most people, honestly, they're really only using a percentage of what NetSuite can offer. And so having a great implementation partner like Bailey can help you as you continue through this continuous improvement journey. Um, Stuart, what happens to NetSuite customers after go live?
1: After they go live, typically we're taking them live and getting mission critical items addressed. And uh, we would like to think that we're optimizing and doing everything else, but we're so anxious to get it live more often than not, you just kind of stand it up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And more often than not, there's then phase two, three, four, and five. So phase two, and not in any particular order because it's based upon the needs of that client and, and what they're going to do and the demands of, of what they have facing them. But what some things that we see that are very popular, um, something called FPNA, financial planning and analysis, that puts in some um, corporate management, It puts in budgeting, it puts in analysis, and it puts those kinds of things in place. So I'm gonna say, uh, subsequent to go live, we see a lot of enhanced reporting. We see a lot of financial planning and analysis. And and then riding on the coattails of financial planning and analysis, maybe artificial intelligence and dashboards. More often than not, even if you use NetSuite as your uh, ERP system, more often than not, you're going to have other sources of data, whether it's point of sale, whether it's uh, whatever whatever it might be, you might be large enough to have multiple different entities using different systems. So sometimes we talk about data warehousing and putting all the silo data under one roof and then reporting. The other, the other thing after go live is we see a lot of emphasis in automation, whether it's month end closing, or taking a manual process in accounts payables or accounts receivables, or just optimizing performance uh, of the system and optimizing your, your team members. We also see people considering security now that they've got this it in place. And then of course, integrations to other things like uh, maybe websites or uh, um, other other secondary systems. Um, I'll, I'll put one last thing as we look at the the post go live. I think a company needs to really look in the mirror and say, "Okay, do I? Um, how are my skills as associated with with NetSuite?" Again, we might deal with a seven-person company, and maybe somebody with a thousand employees, and everybody in between. But if you don't have the resources to really manage NetSuite or to to utilize it fully, you may consider you may consider a managed service where you buy. 20 hours, 10 hours, 15 hours a month, and have somebody help coach you through and help get the reports and help do things that you would otherwise uh, s- struggle with doing. So, a good skills assessment internally of where you're at is really beneficial.
2: How do you at I Bailey and Ruth feel free to jump in because I know that we often at RF Smart work with customers in this optimization phase, but how do you work with customers in this optimization phase?
1: Yeah. Um, I'd say probably in in two different areas. One is a a client calls and says, simply, I want to, I want to optimize my system. And so we set up an engagement. We come in and, and really do a thorough, uh, not leaving any stone unturned. And we would do a thorough assessment, look at the processes, look at the, the strengths and weaknesses of what they're doing, make recommendations and, and, uh, and really do a thorough assessment. And so, that's uh, just a, a paid engagement that says, uh, you know, I implemented this thing. I implemented this uh, three years ago, and probably everybody that's been trained on it has now left, and uh, and the rest of us have inherited the system, and we we, we like it, but we really don't we don't understand eighty uh, percent of what it can do, and so we're doing the things the best way we know how to do them, and those are really good engagements to to get some professional. Assistant, the mm-hmm. other one, the other one, and has to do with, with really the organization being relevant and the organization staying current. So, but but the other piece is somewhat of a managed service. A managed service says, listen, I'm going to take somebody that has a lot of uh, uh, depth, of knowledge inside of uh, maybe accounting and inside of NetSuite, and I'm going to, in essence, a kind of a fractional, a fractional NetSuite administrator uh, as a service, so to speak. To allow, to allow that organization that maybe can't afford a full-time NetSuite, NetSuite administrator to have some services to be able to uh, to optimize their system and to be able to make it move forward. Like, like with Excel or anything else, we only use a portion of whatever we bought. And the same thing would happen probably with our ERP system. We're only going to use a portion of what we bought. You know, NetSuite specifically wants to make it look easy like you're using a QuickBooks or something like that, and particularly when we sell it. But the reality is, the easy system is still very complex and complicated, and there's a lot to it. And so, uh, you know, it takes some good professional help to get it to where you want it to be. Something, it has, you yeah,
2: know. something that's really. Something that came to mind when you were talking about that is even though there is it is so complex there's so many parts part of the benefit of that is scalability right like and that's something that we talk about at RF Smart a lot is that WMS especially with RF Smart should be scalable it should scale to to grow with your business and so in this optimization phase it makes total sense that maybe you started with only a piece of what you're doing, but you would be able to add on these different pieces. Is that something, Stewart's growth, scale, that kind of thing that you, that you see?
1: hundred percent. You know, you know yeah. I'll put a little pitch in for uh, RF smart. And um, when, you, when you go in and, and um, let's say you just implement an RF smart system, but you really don't engineer your warehouse. And you don't you don't engage them to say let's talk about your layout let's talk well all we do is uh, that, that's a great way to to optimize stuff is to really put some strategy behind what you're even doing in the warehouse and mm-hmm. how you're going to pick pack and pull and how you're going to ship and, and there's some efficiencies there so we can put an RF smart in or, or automate the the WMS but you can really uh, um, define it and say here's here's what I want to um, I, I want to make happen. As we as we talk to a client, but let's say we're going to charge you a dollar the first time we implement the system. If we said we're going to charge you a dollar, we really ought to say you need to pay thirty cents next year, and next year, and next year. Because otherwise, if we if we if we simply implement that system and it becomes an instance or a transaction as opposed to a process, we've defeated the, the digital transformation journey. We haven't done, we, we, we've lost. And if, if we let a year go or two years, then we haven't taken advantage of, uh, of technology of what's relevant. I have a, a, a large sports uh, team that I work with, very successful professional team. And, uh, and I said to the CFO, you know, you paid us $3,000 last year. And he said, yep, that's wonderful. I love that, I love small bills. And I said, you know, the the bad part about that is we left you behind one year in technology. Mm. And he said, what do you mean? So, well, if we didn't service your needs, tell me how you've changed in your technology solution for your organization during the last 12 months. So there needs to be an ongoing investment for that organization, whether it's external or internal, for that organization to stay relevant and current. And yeah. um, and that's really important to be competitive. You have to be relevant and, and, and current. Um, a little sidebar, i Bailey's committed to growth and we're committed to growth because if we don't grow, we become less relevant. We wanna stay in the top 25 as a top 25 CPA firm. So we have to grow at about 15% year over year to maintain our competitive and relevancy in the marketplace. And so businesses businesses need to look at it and say, what do I need to do to make, maintain my relevance and competitiveness? And what kind of investment do I need to make along with that?
0: You make a really good point because one of the questions I used to ask a lot, I still ask it is, you know, where do you want your business to be tomorrow, right? Versus today. and we've got a whole business plan around this. This is what we want to do here, here and here. And this is what's going to make us competitive. But on sometimes they leave out technology and technology is a key component of any business growing, like you, like you said. So when you, when you gave that example of only spending, you know, $3,000 that's they're not investing in their organization appropriately and and their business growth and their business plan. So it, uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. Very interesting point.
2: Well, and think about too, how often just we as consumers update our devices, right? Like we update our cell phones, we update our computers because they get slow. We need to do security updates. There's all sorts of reasons why we would update our technology. You have to continue to do that in your business as well.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. Education and a continual commitment to education and learning is who we are in this industry. And if you're not learning, you miss the boat. Whether you're a client using the system, whether you've been in the business 35 years, or whether it's your first day on the job, you should be continually learning because the world is dynamic and we're not doing the same thing today that we even did a year ago, let alone five years ago. And so I I think uh, an organization needs to look in the mirror and say, how is my education? what am I doing? Am I doing, am I attending industry events? Am I a trend? Am I, uh, you know, in CPAs, we have continuing education, which probably is a different topic and not as successful as most CPAs would like to see it. But what am I doing in a commitment to learn, to evolve, to maintain competitive competitiveness? And how does education play a role in that? Even this topic of digital transformation, are we, are we educated enough to be Inside our own organizations, versed in it, and so I, I think there's a, a really important principle to say I'm committed to education, training, and and, and learning. And you can yeah. bring in RF Smart and have RF Smart do some training, or I, or anybody that you associate with, and have them train your organization on better reporting, better analytics, and uh, um, all that's all that's important with it.
2: Yeah. Right. Education is so important. And at RF Smart, I mean, that's the reason we do this podcast, right? Is continuing education for our customers. We also do monthly webinars to make sure they're up to date on on what is going on with their software. Those things are so important. Don't skip them, right? Like this is a big part of your investment is continuing that education. What are some of the automation trends that we're seeing with NetSuite customers? What are some of the things that we're seeing in supply chain uh, as as something for us to wrap up on today?
0: I think, I mean, when we look at sort of supply chain, I mean, the automation of of just the ability of of, of taking away, you know, manual steps process, in some cases, um, you know, touching a product or touching, you know, a transaction too many times because we want to make that as smooth as possible. So whether that's automation around, you know, your basic kind of, when we look at, uh, you know, warehouse management, or, you know, maybe that's that's more automation around how we look at, what's happening in in supply chain from automating what's happening when we order product to on the water to in the warehouse to how we're touching it in the warehouse there's so many different elements to that but I mean that's that's what I see a lot of right now or see a lot of the supply trends moving into that just because we need to manage that so much now especially imports right because we've experienced we're it's still a little bit broken right so we're I mean that's still something that, we continue to kind of work on. Stuart, I don't know if you've got anything else to add in
1: there. around. Yeah. That. Yeah. And I'd, I'd say I'm going to two, two points. One, um, part of this automation is really some integration of a desperate system. So let's say we mm-hmm. have an e-commerce where we're taking orders and now we want to make sure that that's automatically reflected in our inventory and our sales orders. And we're, we're able to transact, but um, almost and um, using a broad brush, almost everybody has integration into third-party systems of some sort, and yes. um, and so that automation sometimes manual, sometimes is very simplistic, and sometimes it's very timely and very effective, and 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 really, there's a lot of third-party tools that help do some of that, but that's a real a real source of making your inventory and making your make making your organization behave better is by getting these systems uh, integrated. And then I think as they're now integrated, now you can decide what it is you wanna measure and report on. And I think every organization should know what's important to that organization, what their metrics are and how they've done on them today. And uh, and they're different. As a professional service organization, we're, what we measure is completely different than what a supply chain client would measure. And so I right. think know, knowing what to measure, and how to uh, and how to, to present that visualization is another good way for automation.
2: Absolutely. Well, Ruth Stuart, this was a great conversation today. I love this topic of digital transformation. I think that there one of the beauty the beauty right of Netsuite is that there is so much that you can continue to improve on. Uh, it will grow with you and. The same thing for of Smart. There's so many things that we can do to continue to help you improve your processes. Um, for those of you who are listening, thanks for tuning in. Remember that you can subscribe on any of the platforms that you like to listen to, Spotify, Apple Music, all those places. You can also subscribe at rsmart.com slash podcast. There you'll find extra resources like some of the podcasts that we talked about today, some great blogs. We have a great blog about scalable WMS. We have a great blog about setting up your NetSuite warehouse. So if you are moving to a new warehouse or if you are just revamping your facility, great resources available for you there. Ruth, Stuart, thank you so much for being a part of this. A big thank you to our partners, I'd Bailey, and uh, thanks guys, we'll see you again soon.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah.